Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. On the podcast today, my guest is Dion Johnson, who's a breath of fresh air and a woman who has overcome what some might see as obstacles in her life. She's now an author and much sought after speaker and mentor. She generously shares her wisdom and calls on women to be courageous and to dig deep as she has herself. She says it starts with your own internal conviction and your internal dialogue. Courage comes when you make up your mind that you're going, that you have a reason, that you that you see clearly why this needs to be challenged or said or brought up or called out. That you, that it's, it comes from the conviction that this thing needs to be different. Money and our beliefs around money, and especially the link between money and power, often hold women back. Dion believes. She says we need to re-examine our old internal messages about money and our self-worth. Money and power are synonymous. If you have a struggle with your sense of personal power, you will have money somewhere in the equation around money and receiving money. Influential Woman is her book, aimed at a fresh approach to tackling inequality, starting with ourselves and our own beliefs. I began by asking Dion about her own mantra about women being born to change the world. You're very welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. Dion, how are you today? Really good, really good. Excited about being here with you. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I was very excited when I saw uh, your work and I heard you on a podcast last week and I thought you were very inspiring. And one of the phrases that I loved from your own website is you were born to change the world and I was born to support you. Is that your mantra? And does it tell me something about what you do? Maybe you tell us a little bit about what you do. So, so I'm also known as a womanologist, which would give you a clue. Like I work with women, particularly women in positions of power. So CEOs, directors, heads, strategic leads in organizations. And um, I describe these positions of powers of women who are, um, they're in the conversation. They are in the room, they're at the table, they are part of the decision-making machine in the marketplace. So they get to um, influence. And I believe that this is a really powerful position. And um, what I know is that some of these women in these positions don't always feel so powerful. (laughs) They don't always feel so able to share their truth or you know speak about what they really think about or or you know share their thoughts in really true and authentic ways and I think that's a problem (laughs) so I found out that um, these women can do better if they're well supported which is good news for me because I was born to support women. I was really born to, I found out that my purpose in life, my place in the world is alongside women who are going through painful, challenging, stretching processes. And um, I fit the bill to offer the support to help them to maximize that opportunity. And how did you discover this? It didn't just happen overnight. I mean, what were you doing in the lead up to that? So um, I started off my career in healthcare. So I was a nurse for a short time, but quite soon we discovered that I don't like sick people. So I decided that. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided that I um, would be a midwife, and uh, so I trained as a midwife, really um, back in the early nineties. 
and um, discovered my love discovered my passion for being alongside women there. So um, I really got to see as a midwife alongside these women who were pregnant, getting pregnant, carrying, and then birthing their newborns. I got to see the real strength of what I call womanity. I got to see her in all of her glory, this amazing capacity and this power that I call womanity. And so um, this was a real training for me. This was my real, I, I cut my teeth on supporting women in the labor room. And when I got really fed up of midwifery, when I got really fed up of being on call, when I got bored of my role there, I branched out into entrepreneurship through local government. So I went into local government and then branched out into entrepreneurship and set up my own consultancy. And long story short, after lots of trial and error with different client groups, found myself back working with women again um, and really understanding that my role with working with these women in business was very similar to my role working alongside women in labor. So you're like a um, career midwife now, are you? Right, right. So um, not even just careers, but these women were having, were concealing and carrying and, you know, impregnating with ideas that could change their industry, ideas that could really impact outcomes, ideas that could really change the trajectory of organizational success. And, you know, and yet there were all of these um, systemic challenges, hindrances, struggles that prevented true expression of that. And so my job now is really about helping those women um, in those roles to feel, to connect with their power, to deliver these messages and to actually deliver these messages. <laughs> so are these women, are they facing these channels? Are these internal challenges or external challenges or is it a bit of both? Definitely both, definitely both. So, um, you know, the marketplace is a complex place and we always talk about the system. We hear people talking about the system being broken and you hear about um, the in unequal systems and unfair systems. But my argument is that these systems are people. <laughs> you know, it, this, the system's not an inanimate object. It's made up of really complex human dynamics. And so women are right in up in that, that they're, we're part of the system and we're also part of the problem. And so there's, there's the, the systemic barriers, the power struggles. Women are still the minority in high level leadership. So there are all these power structural issues that really get in the way of women showing up their best but also there are these internal things like self imposter feelings um you know too much on my plate um broken self-perception second guessing myself lack of confidence those kind of things on the inside that really play with the outside external stuff to um and i don't think we've even began to see the power of womanity in marketplace leadership yet because of all of this kind of feel like it's coming though do you there's there seems oh, to be like yeah. a tipping point at the moment and um, but for also, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things i noticed i think it's on your website as well is but courage versus conformity like it's easy to conform because yeah. the systems are there and all that how do you galvanize that courage in yourself, even if you're just in the lower rungs of the ladder or at the senior level? I mean, I'm almost surprised to hear you say that women who've made it to the top still have that imposter syndrome going. But how do you manifest that courage? How do you drag it up from yourself? 
Yeah, I think that you have to, I think it comes on the journey. I think it comes as we set about challenging something or as we set about bringing a new insight to our realm or as we set about um, influencing. So you see, it's almost like you, you have to get started. Like there's a saying, isn't there, that you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. You know, I think it, it works out the same with courage. You know, courage comes when you make up your mind that you're going, that you have a reason that you, that you see clearly why this needs to be challenged or said or brought up or called out that, you, that it's, it comes from the conviction that this thing needs to be different or this thing needs to stop or start or change change somehow and I feel that that's what I help my clients to do is really nurture and accept and connect with their truest convictions about what needs to happen within their realm amazing even the word realm it sounds like something that you know a queen would do (laughs) exactly but I you know I do I really believe that there are different levels of influence and in my book I speak a lot about the fact that we all start off as what I call child influencers you know we're toddlers and with as influencers not not in position necessarily but in terms of our capacity to influence we start off young we start off small and you know for the early phases we're learning we're being taught about how influence happens in organizations or in this domain we're being taught who are the pecking order we're being taught about who's important and whose voice doesn't matter we're being taught all of that and then we ascend to what i call young womanhood um, as an influencer and this young woman we know her, we've all been her, where we're, we, she wants to showcase, she's wondering what's possible through me, she wants to get her voice heard, she knows she, she, um, she puts into practice what she's learned as a child influencer, and she starts to try and create the kind of shifts, you know, create the kind of career, build her name, build her brand, build her reputation as a leader and as an influencer. But in the book, what I'm doing is calling us up to this other realm of influence that I actually call queen influencer. And she um, she's now not so much concerned with um, trying to make a name for herself. She actually cares about the issues. She actually cares about the inequality. She actually cares about the unlevel playing field. She actually cares about the poorer outcomes. This is no longer about making a name for myself. This is about changing things in her world, in her realm, and in in her domain. This is about um, the greater good. Now she sees herself as responsible. She wants to leave a legacy. She wants to develop the kind of change that will outlive her. And 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 so her her whole approach to inf- influence needs to be different. Do you think because more women are rising up through the, uh, you know, the levels of management and influence um, and the media as well, is it going to make a difference in the fight for uh, better sustainability, for climate change, things that well, men care about them, obviously, as well, but women from their nurturing standpoint of view and their caring, you know, is that an important, are women going to play an important role in sustainability? Well, that's the call. That's the call that we can all hear really loudly, that women, leaders full stop, but women in particular, I believe, because I think it's our voice that's missing the most, are being called to ascend to a whole new dimension of influence. The trouble is, we are three things. We're distracted. So we are so busy just 
going through the motions of leadership as it is right now, leadership as it was before the pandemic. You know, we're still trying to work out, you know, how to cope with everything. We're spinning so many plates and we bear the brunt of the work at home as well. So, you know, it's a really busy time. We're distracted from the mission to influence. And I believe that we've become disconnected too in the climb in the climb to those higher heights of leadership and management, we often forget why we got into that role in the first place. We often forget what drove us. I say we've become disconnected from our, our activist heart. You know, the, the, part, the part that drove us to want to work in that charity or that, or that industry or that issue or that department in the first place and we become disconnected from our humanitarian heart so it becomes a lot less about healing the world and making the greater good succeed and it becomes much more about me 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 and my career so I think this call that we're all experiencing right now through the shaking and in the wake of the pandemic is asking us to ascend, to grow up, to evolve past the distraction, past the disconnection and past the disempowerment that says, you know, I don't know if I'm up, I don't know if I'm the woman for the job, don't know if, if I've got what it takes. Like we, we've got to get over this because they're a loud cry for us to, to step up. Yeah, I think the first point that you made there as well about being distracted, I think that the lie that is women are good at multitasking. Yes, we're good at multitasking, but, you know, it also distracts us from staying mainlined. I always admire men, a lot of men I know who are terrific and they just stay single minded and they let everybody else worry about the little stuff, you know, the important daily stuff. Do we need to learn from men, you know, about staying focused and not getting sucked into that spinning plates multitasking world i think it's all about finding our voice and getting used to the fact that if we are going to really occupy our position of influence with power then we have to that needs to filter out into the rest of our lives like we need to create spaces where we articulate and lead the meeting of our own needs and get really honest about that. I was just having a conversation on another podcast just before this, and we were talking about how, why is it so challenging for women to ask for their needs to be met, you know? And uh, and I think that there are lots of answers about what, why that's so challenging. Our, historically, we've been through a lot as collectively and individually. We all have our stories about why asking for help hasn't always been safe, why asking for help has sometimes been painful. You know, we've been open to betrayal and let down by asking for help in the past. But, you know, that's why I say healing is such an important part of our stepping up into this new realm of leadership is that we really have to heal some of the things that we, we've, we've managed to get this far without asking for much help, you know, suffering in silence, doing it in silos. But to get to this next level of queen influencer, I suggest that those things can't come with us. We have to, we've got to grow be, beyond those. I was really um, affected by what I saw in the UK last week, you know, with the the women. I know the people are asked not to gather because of COVID restrictions and that, but to see so many young women coming out to claim to be able to just walk home from a friend's house in safety. is there, yeah. Do you think most women feel that there's an underlying level of lack of safety you know that there is that violence level that's there and sometimes it might only be spoken and people might be feeling intimidated in work 
and that it's it's always there. It's always in the background. You know, so how do you get over that? Are we at a tipping point where women have just said, we've had enough? Well, first of all, we just really need that. I got goosebumps listening to you describe that because I think it's a it's of paramount critical importance that we that we understand that fear, that perhaps even unconscious fear. And it's not just uh, we, we all have stories. So whenever I sit with somebody, we, you know, my clients come to me for all kinds of reasons, trouble with their boss, trouble with work-life balance, trouble with their career direction or whatever it is. But every time we pull the layer back, there's always almost an element of something that happened before, something, something that, some trauma, some, some challenge that happened in our growing up. We've all got stories of our own betrayals or, you know, not being cared for, not being heard, not being supported, um, and sometimes violently. And then if you look at our history, our collective history is that women have been, you know, burned at the stake for having opinions. Women have been um, treated like chattel. Women have been called second rate, dismissed, scrutinized, silenced. Now, this is real part of our history. And I don't think that when we go into leadership or strive for leadership, we understand the extent to which those histories, I say herstories, really show up in our interaction as, as leaders. We're trying to overcome millennia of uh, being second and being a chattel, being bought and sold. I mean, even when you think yeah. of the the rape law initially was a crime because one man was interfering with another man's property. It wasn't about right. the woman at all. So it was always wow. about being a, a, a chattel. You know, it's it's really quite interesting that you say it's a trauma, a collective trauma that we all have. And we like any other trauma we need to heal like you know this healing I, I hear from staunch feminists who who bang the table and say women don't need fixing and I really do understand what they mean by that because the, the inference is that in order for us to be taken seriously in the marketplace we really need to be more like the men you know we need to fix up and be more like the men we need to grow some balls we need to develop a deeper tone in our voice and of course that's rubbish we don't need to be healed like that wouldn't be healing that wouldn't be tantamount to healing if we just try to be more like the men but my experience of working what I call behind the mask with women heart to heart with women who are in these positions is that we might not need fixing but we definitely need to be thinking about our healing we definitely need to be thinking about how our histories I would say herstories are affecting how we show up right now yeah. and that is a really deep <laughs> one of the things you mentioned there was about the voice and it's one thing that really strikes me how quick men and sometimes women in fairness are to criticize a woman because of her voice yeah. like the tone yeah. the pitch the whole yeah. thing in a way that they never would do with men they just ignore yeah. them you know yeah. what is that is that a very deep ingrained thing I don't understand it. It's coming from our history. It's coming from our history. You know, there was one that strikes me, comes to mind right now, is um, when the Scottish minister and the prime minister, uh, Theresa May and... Um, Nicola Sturgeon, is it? Nicola Sturgeon got together and there was... A, oh, the whole world was watching because they were t discussing Brexit. And the headline in the United States, in the United Kingdom here, wasn't anything to do with world change or Brexit. It was to do with their legs. So they were they sat with cross-legged and the picture was, forget about Brexit, what about legs-it? It's sad, and it's isn't it? 
threat mm. away that there were these two women who were potentially making decisions that were going to affect the entire globe and that all we could see the headline was about their legs the shape of their legs the 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 the, the, the way that they crossed their legs and the headline was written by another woman no so so you see we've got this this is very telling that, that whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we're conscious of it or not, that this is in the ether, this is in the atmosphere, and th this is what we're up against when it comes to being seen, heard, and taken seriously as credible, high-level influencers. But, you know, I did an experiment. So my story is that I was born with a facial disfigurement, and my appearance is always, I'm a black woman. I like to say I'm a black woman in a white man's world. I'm a disfigured woman in a beauty obsessed world. And I'm a woman of faith in a religion phobic secular world. So I really know what it's like to not be taken seriously. Um, but what I um, did years ago when I decided through this, this big awakening that I had in my life was that I was going to be taken seriously. I was going to show up and learn how to be seen and learn how to be heard and learn how to be taken seriously I knew I made a decision that I was going to deal with the inner stuff that was preventing that and face the outer stuff that was um, going to, to, to was affecting that and um, what I saw was that as I grew in in seriousness about being an influencer seriousness as I decided with with conviction that I was going to I mattered that what I had to say mattered and that I was had something to offer the more I grew in that understanding, the more the world, even as messed up as it is, began to hear me. And, you know, I won a book deal. I've written this book. I, I am called to speak on different platforms now. And that's new. This, this, is, this is happening as I do the work. I say the real work. You know, as I do this work to wreck, heal my broken self-perception, as a black woman, as a disfigured woman, as a woman who wasn't welcomed in many circles, called second rate, as I embrace my collective history with other women, as I decided that I'm important and what I have to say really matters, that my, my life is not an accident, that I've got, that I'm here for a reason, that there's something for me to offer. You know, as I get with this, so does my world. My world starts to move out of the way and allow me to step up. And so uh, this is the real work that I that I think we all need to be about right now. That sounds so powerful. <laughs> Thank you even for sharing that with us. That was great. Um, you know, can you bottle that and give it? I know you've written your book, but when you work yeah. with clients, can you bottle that and give it to them? Because you, you're coming from your own experience. <laughs> It's so good to hear you saying that because that was exactly what I was thinking. You know, that term bottling, like, that's exactly the question that I asked myself when I saw how I was performing in the corporate world. You know, that shrinking back, that punching below my weight, that can't find my voicedness. You know, uh, that I, I remembered as I was reflecting on all of this, feeling the pain of that, I would reflect on on what I saw of humanity in the labor room and her power and her strength. And I would ask that question to myself, how do you bottle that? How do you, I, very soon on, I just started to realize that it is that power that I would see that I call humanity, that that's exactly what we need to do, we need to bottle it and bring it to the corporate space, bring it to the board table. And so I believe that we can bottle it. And I believe that it's woman's job to bottle it. 
So, so womanity needs to remember who she is, and and we need to uh, call, delve in, press into the painful parts. You know, we need to be able to look critically at our performance as leaders and how we're showing up in our professional and other relationships the way that we're building our lives the way that we're stepping back or stepping up but you know we need to be about bottling this power because the world needs it now more than we've ever needed it the world is upside down and i believe it's because our voice has not been potent that the world is in this mess absolutely agree with you so if you were to bottle it into five pearls of wisdom, and my God, you have lots of wisdom, uh, what would those five pearls of wisdom be? Right. So, well, I thought about this. My first pearl of wisdom is go deeper. I think that right now that women are, they're, they're involved in personal development activities, but they take it very superficially. So, you know, we just wear tips junkies. We, we love a tip. We love 10 steps to this and three tips for that. But I think just take one tip and go deeper. Like, you know, we need to at some point um, go deeper so we can find the places where that need healing and we find the place where, where true wisdom and answers lie. So we need to take things deeper, go deeper. Um, second uh, is, a, is a really powerful piece of advice that I got from an old mentor. And she told me, meet people before you need them. Meet people before you need them. And I can't tell you how this has really worked out for me. This so in such powerful ways. Just being able to reach out to someone and say, hey, I'm seeing you, really admiring your work, really liking what you're doing or really liking something or, you know, and can I buy you a coffee or, you know, you know, sending a gift or offering some help? Like, these connections always bear fruit sometime later on when you didn't even in ways that you didn't even realize. So I really like the fact that meet people before you need them. Um, another one, a principle that I live by, you first, me first. So if you have a message, if you're a messenger, if you want to see something different in the world, if you don't like something going on out there, then my philosophy is that you need to find it in yourself and do deal with it there first. It's really, it's really uncanny almost the way when I sit down with my clients and they point the finger and they say they don't like this about the system or they don't like this about their workmate or they don't like this about that person over there, that almost invariably that very same thing that they're pointing out out there is happening on the inside in here and I feel like we just need to deal with it in ourselves first um support 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 you know I know we say location 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 I say support 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 like so many of us are suffering in silence so many of us are um in pain in secret you know some of us some I can't tell you the number of times I've heard someone say you know I've never told anybody that uh you know just just suffering in silence and in secret and I think that, you know, one of my old pastors used to say, tell the truth and shame the devil, you know, that you just, you know, just exposing, finding someone to, to talk to for real. Obviously, we don't share everything with everybody. I don't believe that wearing your heart on your sleeve or being authentic means that everybody has to know what color your knickers are. But I do think that you know, we need to be selective and find the right people to to so, who can really offer support. So support, 
I've put here, support is sexy. You know, we, we must make it the new desirable, you know, the new black dress or something. Support, support, support. And the next one is audience of one. It's another principle that I live by. And um, so I am a God girl. I'm a, a Christian. I love to pray. I, I, I believe that there is a higher consciousness that watches over our every move. And I perform, I have learned to, that if I'm going to be an influencer, I have to be much less concerned with the applause of the many, <laughs> much less concerned with the applause of the masses and more, um, more concerned with the applause of the one of God, my God, that I just, that I, 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 I perform, I work, I do, I speak, I show up, I, I, I challenge things um, for an audience of one. And this is very challenging because if we're leaders, like we talked about the young woman influencer, you know, the way that she normally functions is that she, she tries to win approval of everybody. Um, but when we're trying to win approval of everybody, that's when things just keep staying the same. We just turn into parrots. We stop remembering what we think. I think it's really, um, I think it's really a challenge for us all right now if we just could become less, less focused on being accepted and and being applauded, and more about being effective as the kind of leaders that we were born to be. I really like that what you're saying about the audience of one because it is really like linking in with your higher power which is right. your essence your being is really isn't it yeah, um, yeah. tell me money advice money yeah. you know sometimes I find people's money attitudes are more challenging even than religion or politics you know challenging someone's financial <laughs> beliefs yeah. um what what's core to you about value and money and what advice would you give to anybody it's such a huge issue, money and women. It's not that long ago. In the 70s was when women could have their own bank accounts. Think about that in the UK. Think about that. That's crazy. Women and money is a huge deal. And when it comes to growing as influencers, which is my bag, I help women to grow as influencers, money always comes up. Because here's the thing. You can't be completely um, committed and wholehearted about speaking up and challenging and going against the grain if you're afraid about money. So oftentimes people don't speak up because they're petrified of losing their job, petrified of not having that salary, um, jeopardizing their position in, in the, in the organisation. And so it's a critical area for us to heal with. It is critical. I say that, you know, we spent, my clients and I, we spend time looking at this, looking at our money stories, working out where, what we think about money, because often that's really as unconscious as what we think about ourselves. So like we don't know what we think about ourselves often, we don't know what we think about money. We often, we think we're okay. And we look for um, our money stories, we look for our money patterns, because often our money patterns are belittling, belying 
they're betraying the fact that we struggle with some kind of money. Money and power are synonymous. If you have a struggle with your sense of personal power, you will have money somewhere in the equation around money and receiving money. The way it showed up in my life was that I was always, um, you know, always doing quite well, putting myself in positions. I had corporate roles that paid well. I had um, a a business sideline, I was into property investing, had lots of money flowing, but just could not hold on to it. It's like my bucket had a hole in it. So it doesn't matter how much money came in, it was just going out. That no matter how much money came in, I was still always receiving red letters, you know, um, bailiffs knocking on the door, real challenges with money. And it wasn't until I began to address my sense, my personal, deep, strong sense of self and power and really started to challenge some of those old messages about how unvaluable or secondary I was, that actually my money story began to heal. And all, all is good now. So tell all me, what do you do for sustainability in your own life? all of the above. <laughs> so all, all of what I'm speaking to you today is really, is really my, all of this is how I look after myself. I think the key answer to this is that women must get better at looking after ourselves. We've been pouring from empty cups for such a long time. You pour from an empty cup, it's just like thin air. It's just not long lasting. It just, it blows away in the wind. It's not sustainable. And so really how, asking the question, how do I fill my cup? You know all of what I've said to you, going deeper. I love learning, going deeper, finding things about myself, learning about who I am, developing the kind of habits that are conducive to understanding me and my worldview, you know, um, treating myself to things that I enjoy. You know, I love being a grandma. I love spending quality time with my family. I love eating great food. I love filling up a, a really good crystal glass with really good red wine. Like this is... These are things that um, make me feel good, give me space to think and survey my world and decide things and show up more powerfully and more sustainably. Finally, your music. I know you like music. So tell me, what's the music that you choose if you want to give yourself a little lift or get yourself motivated or get up on the, out of bed in the morning? What do you do? So I, uh, I, my daughter says I'm a slave to a drum beat. I do love music. I do love dancing, much to her, her, her horror. But I, I love to dance and I love to listen. But when I need to be really pepped up, I have a few go-tos. I love gospel music because I'm a Jesus girl. But um, Desiree, that song, Gotta Be. You gotta be bad, you gotta be strong, you gotta be wiser. Oh, <laughs> Love that song. I dance to that song like Lulu on a hot tin plate. Great. And um, one of the other songs that I love is Diana Ross. It's like an anthem of mine. I'm coming out. I want the world to know. I gotta it's let it show. Fantastic. There's a yeah, new me coming out. I can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like that song brought me through a whole lot of the processing that we've been talking about today. So uh, that's a, one of my go to. And then one of my um, more sober ones is Beyonce, I Was Here. And uh, it's a song that talks about a deep, heartfelt, wholehearted desire to make a difference in the world before I leave. 
I'd say you, you, you already have your legacy. You are already making a difference. So you've succeeded on that one. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom. I've absolutely enjoyed the, the, the last 25 minutes or whatever it is. It was just a pleasure talking to Dion. And uh, thanks for being a guest on the Women in Leadership podcast. Yeah, much delight, much delight. Thank you. Well, my thanks to my guest this week, Dion Johnson, who is a self-declared womanologist. There's a new one for you. And a change maker. She's the author of Influential Woman, which is available from Random House. Well, that's all from this episode of the Women in Leadership podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check out our back catalogue where there are some amazing women experts on all aspects of life and career. Remember, though, that you are the expert in your own life. So take what feels right from any of the women you hear and use your own judgment. Remember what Dion says, women were born to change the world. So take your courage in your hands and believe in yourself. Take time to nurture yourself and to dig deep and to take a good look at your own belief systems. Sometimes ask yourself, are they still serving you well? Are they still relevant? And if they are well and good, and if not, maybe it's time to change. Make friends with people before you need them, as Dion says, and don't pull the ladder up after yourself. We all need a little help. You'll get so much satisfaction from helping others, especially other women. Remember to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn and to like and share the podcast. We'd really appreciate that. Until the next podcast, from me, Angie Mazzetti, and all on the Women in Leadership podcast team, goodbye and take care of yourself. <laughs>